Hey everyone, I'm Michael Soto, your co-host. Hi, and I'm your other co-host, Landon Phillips. And together, we are Gender Gender Curious. The ways that human beings experience and understand gender is constantly changing and evolving because we as human beings are constantly changing and evolving. Exactly. And this podcast is all about exploring all things gender and the way that we're evolving and understanding gender better with curiosity instead of judgment. Mm -hmm. So this podcast is for everyone who, like us, is just interested in learning more about all things gender. Exactly. So today we're going to be exploring my gender story. Uh, And one of my very favorite quotes about gender is from someone named Patti Smith that said, as far as I'm concerned, being any gender is a drag. And I think that really fits with my story. So we're kind of using that as a theme today. I love it. I love it. (laughs) So Landon, let's get curious. Let's get curious. All right. Right, so let's start from the beginning. That's usually a pretty good place to start. It usually is, yeah. Um, So, well, let's start, I guess, with the foundation of who are you, Michael? How do you identify? What's your relationship to gender as, you know, just to to get started? I love that, Landon. Uh, So I'm a trans man, um, and I am a middle-aged trans man. That's a weird thing to say. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That makes me feel a little old, uh, but I like that. (laughs) I like getting older. so yeah, I'm a transgender man, um, and that's my gendered experience, is growing up as someone who was assigned female at birth and being able to become the man that I am. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. One of the common questions, myself as also a trans person, yeah. receives, I'm sure you do all the time, is like, when did you know? When did you know you were trans? It's like yes. the like first question everybody wants to know. It is. So let's do it. <laughs> when did you know you that were trans? When did question. that? Ex- when did that like experience of really like being aware of your gender start for you? Yes, really good question. Um, and something that I find for trans people is always different, and I love that about this question. Um, so for me, it was really young. I was my first awareness of gender was that I was a boy and I had to be told different. So my my family, our friends, right, our church community, everyone had to correct me because as soon as um, I was aware of gender, which was about, you know, between three and five, um, I was, you know, noticing like most kids do, the differences in um, the way that boys and girls and different people experience gender. And I always identified as a boy. And I was like, nope, I'm a boy. Like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I played with the boys. I refuse to keep a shirt on pretty much ever. <laughs> um, there's this great picture of me in front of our house and I have crawled up on top of our car at the time and I'm shirtless with just shorts on and like howling at the world. <laughs> and like, you know, that was me as a little kid. I was just this wild little kid that loved playing, loved roughhousing, right? Knew I was gonna grow up to be a boy and I mean, every Sunday in my house was a struggle, let me tell you, because it was put the dress on, go to church, you know, be a good little girl. And I was like, absolutely not. And, you know, would just rebel against that without even understanding that I was rebelling against it. Right. I just wanted to be the boy that I was. And so I wanted to wear pants instead of a dress or a skirt. Right. And I wanted to wear a tie Um, when I was little. 
this was probably, I think, kindergarten, um, I got a teddy bear for Christmas that had this adorable little dress shirt with a collar that had little tiny teddy bears on it, and then a red tie. It was a white dress shirt with little teddy bears and a red tie that also had red teddy bears. Cute. Um, I literally took it off the bear and wore it to school. I was like, this is my shirt and my tie. And so uh, that was just me, right? Like everything in my mind, in my experience, um, I just knew I was a boy and I tried to live that as much as I could. And so of course my family was like, oh, you're just a tomboy. It's mm-hmm. fine. You'll grow out of it, you know, and it's kind of cute now and it's okay. And you can play with the boys in Rough House and we think it's adorable. Um, and you can learn how to play sports and all those sorts of things. But someday, you know, the expectation was always someday you'll like dresses. Someday yeah. um, you'll want to be a girl, right? And you'll want to do all these girl things. Um, and I just never happened for me, you know, I just always knew that that wasn't my journey. Um, you know, as a little kid, I remember people asking me, you know, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd be like, a boy, <laughs> Superman, like, you know, like these are my life goals. <laughs> um, and I don't know, it just was natural for me, you know, as a yeah. little kid, I was just like, I, I just remember like my parents having to be like, you have to wear a dress. Cause you know, I'd be like, well, why do I have to wear a dress? Why can't I wear a suit? Why can't I wear slacks and a tie like the other boys? And they'd be like, well, honey, you're a girl. And I'd be like, oh, I don't think so. You know, don't like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, mm, doesn't feel right, folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the funny thing is both of my parents, uh, I've had this conversation with them, you know, like I have been out for almost 25 years now and at different times over, you know, the last decade, uh, my parents have kind of looked at me and been like, you know, we wish we would have had that language because it's so clear now. We can look back from the earliest stages of your like personal awareness and be like, oh yeah, you were telling us you were a boy. We just didn't have any clue because I grew up in the 80s and the 90s. And so we didn't have the kind of information we have today, right? We didn't have cell phones with the world of knowledge at our disposal. And uh, we didn't have the internet in our homes or computers in our homes. And so, you know, we were using landlines still. (laughs) And so um, we didn't have all of this access to ideas about the different ways that people experience gender. And, you know, both of my parents, you know, I had a rough time when I came out later. We'll get to that. Um, But both of my parents at different points apologized to me and said, we wish we would have had this knowledge because we could have helped you and we could have helped ourselves and our family. You know, we could have known better. And, you know, I was just like, well, we didn't, you know, we Mm -hmm. can't help that. We can't change that. And that's okay. What matters is how we show up now. So, yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, um, it's hard to explain to people what the feeling of gender dysphoria is, which we can get into in like a trans one on one episode on oh, what totally. that means. But just that the feeling of not belonging yeah. in your own body or some people say like their body, they're in the wrong body or their body is wrong or just this feeling of your gender not matching up with yeah. what society or your body is telling you you're supposed to be. Totally. It's really an abstract and difficult thing to explain to people what that feels like. Yeah. But what did it feel like for you, like during that time when you're insisting that you're a boy, like what, not necessarily what did the feeling of being a boy feel like, but like, what did it feel like to be having that experience and to be constantly being told like, Mm -hmm. no, incorrect, you know, like what, what was that like, I guess, like, that is a great, yeah, that's a really important question and a really great question. Um, It was really hard. It felt like not being seen. 
right? It felt like um, no one actually seeing who I was, understanding my experience, um, listening, not being listened to, right? Not being heard. Um, and it was confusing because I didn't know why, right? Because it was so apparent to me that I was a boy. And mm-hmm. it was just like, I don't how are you not seeing this? You know, like what is, what is happening here? What am I missing out on? You know, or like, what don't you understand or what don't I understand? And, you know, as a little kid, that was always a constant thing of like, um, you know, like my birth name, I never liked. So I was always like, well, that doesn't work for me, you know? And like, it's a perfectly fine name, nothing wrong with it, but it never fit for me, you know? And so when people would call me by that name, there was, it was a strange, it's hard to, even like explain what it felt like internally, but like there was like a, a pang of, you know, like kind of like, Oh, that doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, when someone Mm -hmm. would say my birth name, it would, it was never like when someone says my name today, Michael, you know, and like calls me across the room or, you know, says my name in any way, there's this warm, wonderful feeling of like, Oh, that's me, you know? And my birth name was like, kind of like someone pinching you or punching you, you know, just like, Oh, that doesn't feel good. Um, it got really acute with puberty, right? And like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, being a little kid's a little different because you can, you know, I could take my shirt off and run around with the boys and it was considered cute, you know? <laughs> or I could just, I don't know, I guess get away with more, you know, there's a little more gender ambiguity with younger children always. Uh, more flexibility maybe, I guess yeah. is what it is. Not yeah, ambiguity, but flexibility. Um, but, you know, once you hit puberty, people start wanting you to fit into a box, right? And not just people, your parents, your community, right? Your family, your family friends, your church community, right? They want you to fit into specific ways of being your school community. I don't know if this actually, this is an interesting question for you. Um, when I was in K through 12 school or uh, probably K through six, really, um, everything was really gendered. Like there was a boys and a girls line, like to go to lunch or to go to the bathroom or to mm-hmm. go get water. Right? Yeah. Um, or and, they'd like, when you would sit at table groups, it would be like boy, girl, boy, yes, girl. Like exactly. everything, everything was boy, girl. Yeah. Everything not was like very everything gendered. was super segregated all the time, but there was always some way for gender to be involved. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And like, that was something that like was always present in my life, but it felt like it was less stringent when we got, when I got into middle school and high school it got very segregated because it was suddenly locker rooms and you know mm-hmm. it was like very gendered spaces it was like you cannot go into the opposite gender space right like there's a lot of um segregation in that sense and like taboo around transgressing those spaces right and so uh boys girls and you know boys and girls teams and boys and girls spaces here and there and so um for me, I always talk about my sort of middle school puberty, uh, middle school to high school years as my drag years, um, because that's what they felt like to me. You know, that's what that feeling of like experiencing gender differently and not being seen and being told that I should be a girl and should be experiencing the world in this feminine and female way felt to me was like the expectation was so foreign to what I actually felt inside that it literally felt like a performance, like a drag performance Mm -hmm. every single day. I was (laughs) like, okay. And I didn't do it well. Let me tell you, I was real bad at drag in (laughs) my adolescent years. (laughs) Real bad at it. Didn't convince anybody. It was not good. It was always failing and insufficient at being a girl. Uh, But, you know, I felt I had to try. I didn't have another option because, again, we didn't have the language. This was a a long time ago. (laughs) And there was... 
I mean, I don't even think I heard the word gay until I was in high school. I, I wow. grew up in a suburban yeah. community, you know, that was did not have information like we have information today. Um, I, yeah, I don't even think I heard the word gay and I didn't even really know what it meant. You know, I was like, I knew it was bad. That was clear. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, don't want to be that. Um, <laughs> surprise. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't hear any of these words until I was much older and so, and let alone know what they meant. And so, yeah, it just felt like a very confusing performance that I didn't quite understand why I had to perform, but I knew that I had to. And for me, I don't know if this is the same for you um, or how other people experience this, but as I got older, the ramifications or the consequences for not performing the gender that I was expected to perform got worse. You know, yeah. it was like, mm -hmm okay, you're a cute little tomboy when you're in kindergarten and first grade and elementary school. Um, but, you know, when you're, uh, when I was supposed to start becoming a young lady, um, you know, the repercussions and the consequences for not performing that well were, were a lot of disappointment, right? A lot of frustration with, by, by other people. Um, a lot of, it felt like other people's expectations got more intensely put on to me. Mm -hmm. The, more poorly I performed girl. <laughs> so I was like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really trying, but I'm failing at this and your expectations are becoming more, you know? And um, that was a hard thing to reconcile, you know? And I think something that stands out to me maybe the most from that time, um, and this was, so this uh, great sort of uh, story or, uh, of this experience was of not being trusted around my gender, essentially, right? And so um, I remember... I will never forget what this felt like. I, we were at my grandmother's house. Uh, my mom and my aunts and my grandmother were sitting around the kitchen table, hanging out, talking, bonding as the women in the family. And I had been like watching TV in a different room with my uncles. And I think I walked in to get water or soda or something like that. And I was invited to the table by the women in my family and they wanted me to come and join them and sit and be a part of this, like, you know, women in the family experience. And I was like, I'm good. I'm going to, I'm going to go back and they're like, no, 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 come and sit. Like, we want to talk to you about how you're growing into a young woman. And I was like, oh God, no, thank you. I'm good. And I was like, I would prefer to not have that conversation. <laughs> And they were just like, okay, we get it. You're a tomboy still, you know, mm -hmm. but someday, and I think one of my aunts said this, she said, um, you know, someday you're going to grow up and you're going to be a woman and you're going to get married and become a mother and a wife. And, you know, you're going to have the same kinds of experiences that we've all had. And you're going to want to be at this table talking with us. And I was like, absolutely not. I was 16 at the time. I said, that is not going to be my life. I'm not going to be any of those things. I take a pass on that. I'm going to, I'm going to go. And they all just laughed and they were like, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. And you know, now I, I don't ever uh, miss an opportunity to remind them. I, was like, <laughs> I knew, I knew I was not going to yeah. become those things. Yeah, um, I didn't lie. Yeah. I was like, I was telling you the truth. Y'all just didn't listen to me. And part of that's because you didn't have awareness about there was another option for <laughs> someone like me, right. Or there were other options yeah. of gender. So I get that. Um, but, you know, that's an interesting thing to look back on and just realize yeah. that nobody trusted me and and trusted that I understood who I was, you know, mm -hmm. and that I think in some ways that's made me much more assertive and confident in my own like understanding of the world. I'm like, no, I knew who I was when I was a little kid and you didn't listen. And I'm just always going to be really clear and assertive and not let people question, you know, like my experience um, is kind of the response that I have to that as that I've had that to that as an mm -hmm. adult. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I had a kind of like similar experience in that same stage of life. Yeah. Like mid puberty, everyone talking about developing into womanhood and being on the brink of all of these expectations that aren't quite expectations for you yet, but they're talking about like, oh, you're gonna, you're gonna, like, eventually you're gonna want to have kids and you're gonna want to be married and you're gonna want to be a girl. Right. But I, like, I did want those things. I didn't Mm. actually want that, but I wanted to want it. Right. You know, like, life would be so much easier if I could just be good at being a girl. Oh, totally. So when we would have those conversations, like, I would want to be in those women's spaces and Mm. be like, oh, yeah, haha, I like makeup too. Like, trying (laughs) to, like, fit in, like, to make it, go away and make it make sense like i i just thought like i'm just so bad at being a girl i didn't really think i'm not a boy i was just like i just like really suck at this like i'm not doing good enough at being a girl but i didn't know there were other options yes but i kind of had that same thing of like the more you get older the more these expectations become like more and more real so real and there's actual like consequences like you were saying for not performing yeah this gender that everybody else wants you to be exactly well and even like i mean i love the women in my family i feel very connected to them but that i didn't that i wasn't like at you know 15 14 16 wanting to date boys right and Mm -hmm. wanting to do girl things wanting to wear skirts and makeup and all this sort of stuff that they had wanted there was always a disconnection, right? And like a little bit of distance because of that and discomfort, I think, even for them, right? Where they were like, we don't quite understand this kid. This is very different than we are or we were, you know? And so it was very much like a, I don't know, there was just always um, sort of a discomfort with one another that was kind of sad too, you know, where it was like, oh, well, I love you all and I want you to see me and I want to be able to appreciate you and, but there's this misunderstanding between each other, right? That always kind of like rubbed a little bit, was a little bit of friction causing. And same mm-hmm. with the men in my family, because they were like, well, why aren't you fitting in? You know, and like, you know, it's just different. And nobody had any understanding of that, but that those consequences of feeling a little left out of your family, right? Or feeling mm-hmm. like a little ostracized sometimes because nobody could relate to my experience or was even able to be curious about it at that point right in the yeah. 80s and 90s people were like that's just weird you know they didn't even have the language to like be able to say well what is happening you know like what are you experiencing it was just like you need to do better you know? yeah yeah and sometimes <laughs> there's like there's this clearly defined box of womanhood yeah. that we're supposed to fit into yeah and then when we don't now the only other option is to fit into the man box exactly and if i don't fit perfectly into that now totally. it's like well now what do they do with me oh like now <laughs> wow like it was hard just... enough for them to give me permission to be in the man box yeah and now if i don't fill up that role so yeah that's like it's a complicated space to navigate especially yeah. when you don't have the vocabulary and you Absolutely. don't know what your options are you're yes. just trying to survive in a space that you don't understand your place in yet, I guess. Exactly. So yeah. what, what, like, broke camel's back? What was the straw? Like, what <laughs> we have this setup where you've lived uh, yeah. this whole lifetime yep. of being so at odds yeah. with what's inside and what you're expected to be. What got you out of that, or what happened next that kind of led you down the road to be the you that you are now? That's such a great question. Um, I think a lot of things when I look back. Um, 
one thing actually that helped me a lot through adolescence was sports. Um, I played a ton of sports as a kid and that camaraderie and that community of an athletic community really helped me. And I played girls and women's sports, right? That was mm -hmm. my path. Um, and I am still friends with a lot of those folks that I played sports with uh, on Facebook and like today, which is kind of cool. Um, and, you know, I'm a man today, but they still welcome me as a part of like our community that we yeah. have, you know, and that we developed as kids. And so having that community really helped. Um, I, you know, during my drag years, I very much was uncomfortable with all things gendered expectation of me. And so I didn't date in high school. I didn't do any of that. I just really focused on sports and academics because one, I, I come from a really poor family and I knew that was my only way to go to college. And so I was like, I got to like excel so that I can get scholarships and go and figure out my life and who I am. Um, and I knew that would happen after high school, <laughs> that that would happen after sort of my K through 12 years, um, mm -hmm. because I was the only possibility, then. you know, it was just, it didn't feel like I could even open the door to understanding those things or even that there was anyone safe that I could ask that question to of like, what if I don't fit, you know, into this mm -hmm. girl and woman world? then what you know I, I knew nobody in my world had those answers so i knew i'd have to go somewhere else to figure that out and i'd have to take that on on myself and so i really focused on my adolescence on getting to college and getting that space to like grow into being an adult and figuring this out and so then when i got to college um you know, I did my best to kind of try to figure out what was happening in the world and what other kind of people are existing in the world. Um, and I remember, let's see, this was probably, this was my sophomore year. It was National Coming Out Day. Um, I didn't know that at the time, uh, but I was uh, walking on campus, you know, back to my dorm. I lived in the middle of ASU's campus at the time, which was a pretty fun place to live. Um, and there's this uh, place called Hayden Lawn that's in the middle of the ASU campus where I don't know if this is still true at ASU, but all the student clubs and like all these activities used to happen on Hayden Lawn where um, it was just sort of the center of campus life, basically. And so for National Coming Out Day, all of the LGBTQ organizations for students were out on the lawn and there were all these rainbow flags and there's music and tabling for organizations and there were boys holding hands with boys and girls holding hands with girls. <laughs> and I remember, you know, walking to my dorm and like seeing this and literally going, what is happening? And like being like, oh my goodness, this, this is really interesting. And I want to go over there, but I'm terrified. And I like went the other way, ran to my dorm and spent like the next two hours, like peeking around the corner of my, uh, like, dorm facility watching little snippets of what was happening on Hayden Lawn and then being like, okay, okay, this is really exciting and really terrifying. I don't know what's happening over there. I really want to go meet those people. <laughs> and so finally working up the courage over like half of a day. This is ridiculous. That's so funny. So like go out there and like casually like just walk by and be like, oh, but it felt like knowledge was there right it felt mm -hmm. like something that i needed to understand was happening and that these people had some knowledge that i really needed to know to understand myself better and so you know finally it took like the whole day for me to like get, go up there pull grab a couple pamphlets um 
say hello to a few people and such a welcoming, wonderful community and was immediately invited to, you know, different clubs and we go to different, you know, organizational meetings and things. And I gravitated towards the, the activism because I guess I've always gravitated towards that. So I Classic Michael. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, I started by going to the activist group because I was like, okay, that feels comfortable to me. Um, which is named after ACT UP, um, which is a classic LGBTQ activist organization during the HIV and AIDS era. And so I started going to that meeting because I was like, okay, I'm interested in this. I can, you know, I can fit in under this sort of political banner, you know, and this activism and doing good in the world banner. Um, but, you know, there it was still very, again, this was, what, 1999. And so trans people weren't as visible as we are today and so it was very much like gay and lesbian and bisexual that's like the community that existed that was very visible on campus um and i still remember the first time i met a trans person because it was this amazing moment for me um we were it was a coffee shop meeting and everybody was kind of hanging out outside the coffee shop which was just down the street from the college campus and waiting for the guest speaker and this woman walks up and she's you know kind of tall and beautiful woman and she's our guest speaker i find out as we're all you know kind of greeting each other and you know i was like this little baby butch and i opened the door for everybody and uh, <laughs> you know to be polite and all all of the folks start it was mostly women that were in this crowd and so they start going in Actually, well it was mostly people that were assumed to be women some okay, are not okay, women yeah. now some are uh non-binary or trans men um but uh, I remember this guest speaker, this you know tall woman, um, she kind of stood there and expected me to walk in before her. And I just kept standing there with the door open and I was like, oh, go, go ahead, you know, go on in. And she got kind of teary eyed, I remember. And I was like, what is happening? I mean, I was an idiot. Like I was 19, I knew nothing <laughs> about the world. And I was just like, I have no idea what just happened. But I remember her like, getting teary-eyed and like touching my shoulder in a kind way as she went in and I was like I don't know what just happened but okay and I you know we go in and everybody gets a drink and we go sit outside on the patio and you know it's very much like a sort of consciousness raising group setting where everybody says hello introduces themselves and then uh, we handed it over uh, the facilitator of the group handed it over to Leah um, to tell her story and she starts talking about being a trans woman and I was like Oh my goodness! Wait, what? Like you could, there are other people like me that like, but you're different the other way. But like, you can be this. Like, you can have this experience of like being told you're one gender your whole life, but not. And then you can do something about it. I was just like, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I mean, the excitement. My whole like my little mind just exploded completely. Um, and it was this amazing experience where I was like, oh my God, I met someone who's like me. And yeah. I remember going home that night and just like, we had very basic internet. I think it was Netscape still. Um, <laughs> so like way, way long time ago uh, where I'm trying to find out, you know, like transsexual was the word then. And so I was like, what is this? And like just my whole world opening up after that and finding trans people and starting to have those conversations. And immediately I was like, that's me. Okay, mm -hmm. here we go. Yeah, some, yeah, sometimes it is like just having the word for it yes. is like this majorly pivotal yes. point of being able to say like, oh, this is a like an actual valid experience yes. that other people have that we can do something about. Exactly. It just like, it changes everything. It That's does. how it was for me too. Like just meeting 
the first trans well I mean you meet trans people all day every day you do but you don't always know it but the first like person that I met that was trans that I knew was trans I was talking to about like trans things yeah I like blew my mind oh mine too I was like oh my gosh I have options I need to reevaluate everything yes then it led me down you know a better road so exactly yeah that's such an incredible experience though when you meet someone who is like you right who has that lived experience that you resonate with for the first time that that feeling of meeting Leah made me feel what I assume cisgender people feel their whole lives, right? When when they come to realize that they're, you know, when they identify with their the women in their family or the men in their family or the boys they go to school with or the girls they go to school with. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that experience until I was an adult, you know, until I was a grown up in college. I mean, a baby grown up, but a grown up um, in college living my life, you know, like I didn't have that first moment of, oh my goodness, I'm a part of something with you in terms of gender. Um, but that was just a beautiful moment that changed my life in for the better in every possible way. Yeah, wow. Yeah. This is like diverting from the plot a little bit, but I'm curious, <laughs> and this is a podcast about getting curious. I love it. But before you had that vocabulary yeah. and met Leah, is that what you said her yep. name was? Um, how were you relating to the LGBT community? Like, were you there as like, an ally, because I was that for a while where I was like, oh, I'm such a good ally, <laughs> but like, I, it was so queer. Or was it like you were there because like somewhere on the spectrum of your sexuality or, you know, like yeah. how were you fitting into the queer community and being active in it before totally knowing that you like had yeah. words for being trans, I guess. It was it was only like a couple weeks. So it oh, okay, it was pretty quick. That's it was pretty good. quick. Yeah, it was like, I don't know, maybe two months or something like that. Um, but. I, I think at first I was like, you know, that first day when I saw those rainbow flags, I was like, okay, the way I gave myself permission to go and see what was happening was more like, I'm an ally. I can be mm-hmm. a good friend, <laughs> you know, and a good person and I should understand what's happening. But pretty quickly I was like, okay, you know, I, I, I have always experienced attraction to men and women, boys and girls, you know, like as a, as a child, so boys and girls, um, you know, when you first start getting crushes on people in elementary school, later elementary school or middle school, um, that was always different for me because I noticed very quickly that a lot of people or the expectation was that you would only have crushes on the opposite sex or gender right and and i always kind of had crushes on both and i was like okay well that's weird and i shouldn't talk about that because i just feel like i shouldn't talk about that um, let's put that in a box yeah. put it on a shelf and never talk <laughs> right. about it never again, talk about it again. <laughs> we're talking about it after i go to college and <laughs> not now um, <laughs> um so i think you know when i was in college and sort of met these groups of people for the first time, I was like, oh, well, maybe this is the answer. Maybe I'm gay, right? And maybe I'm um, a, just a woman, but attracted to other women. And so I was like, well, let me explore that. And then pretty quickly, I was like, nah, that still doesn't feel right. Like this this whole gender thing doesn't work. I'm still attracted to some women, of course, but you know, like anybody is attracted to a certain percentage of whoever they're attracted to. Um, but the, the woman box for me still didn't fit. You know, and so mm-hmm. I was like, well, I really like lesbian women and gay women, just like I like other kinds of women. They're wonderful, um, but still doesn't feel right for me. And so, but luckily I met my first trans person pretty quickly in that process. And I was like, this is why it doesn't work. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So I feel lucky that I met Leah pretty quick in my journey and was able to be like, yes, I have an answer. Um, and was able to put a word to it and come out and start that process, which was not easy, but worth doing. So, yeah. 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 That's pretty incredible. Yeah. So when did you become Michael? 
Yeah, good question. Um, I so, I mean, I started coming out and transitioning, like starting that. I mean, I didn't really even have the words for it, like transitioning yet. Um, but telling people, you know, like this is this is who I am. This is um, what I'm going to do. I was starting to explore. We uh, there was a very um, sort of intense process that you had to go through at the time as a transsexual person is what you the identity was then, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had to go through this very like gatekeeping kind of medical process that had all these steps and you had to, uh, the first step was socially living as the opposite gender for a year before you could do anything. And so you had to wow. like, start dressing in different ways and doing all these things, which wasn't super hard for me because I already wore like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I wore jeans and you know pants and you're already like 95 percent of the way there exactly (laughs) exactly i had uh i had actually cut my hair very short actually shaved my head on graduation night from high school as a little act of rebellion Uh, so i already had short hair and you know so i was like "Mm, i'm pretty much already doing that but making it official telling people um and you know sort of still figuring out what that process was um, I chose a like a transitioning name um, because I didn't that felt a lot of pressure to pick like a new name. I was like, oh man, that's a that's a big deal. Um, and when I came out to my parents, I had invited them to be a part of that process with me. So I wanted to give them time to kind of decide if they wanted to be a part of my life and help me with that. Um, they they chose not to because it was this was hard for them you know and mm-hmm. it took about 10 years for us to be okay so i needed to pick a name before that um yeah. <laughs> but um so i chose to go by chris as a gender neutral name kind of for a little while it's a while. solid name, it's a solid name. Yeah. and one of my middle names now is christopher so oh, good perfect uh yeah so i incorporated that into my full name now um but i decided to go with this sort of transition name as i was kind of figuring out what i wanted my name to be officially and uh, my new legal name to be but you know in in lots of ways it, it felt like this process of transitioning socially and medically coming out was letting people see the real me that I've mm-hmm. always been you know it was like for the first time being able to be like my drag years are over like this is who I actually am like these this is what I want my life to be this is who I want to be and that you know that I mean I didn't have that language I had that language at the time you know but the benefit of 25 years of transitioning and being out um but you know for for my family it was very hard and so like i said we had about a decade of kind of not being in each other's lives or barely being in each other's lives and a fair amount of conflict you know it didn't help that i was uh young and relatively hot-headed and so i didn't (laughs) have a lot of uh sort of ability to hold difference or um to hold their fear at that time either right and so what you know, my parents, what it really came down to, and my family, when I came out to everyone, um, they were just afraid because they didn't know what my life would look like because they had never met a trans person. Yeah. So they were like, we don't understand this. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? What kind of medical ramifications are there? Are you going to regret this? You know, like they just didn't understand because they had put their gendered expectations onto me my whole life didn't have another model to see that to understand all of the conflict that we had had around gender my whole life they just thought that was silly stuff right or Mm -hmm. things that didn't matter and so that took a long time for them to make sense of it right and be like oh wait 
you know, we have had a lot of gender conflict throughout this kid's whole life. You know, this, this, this child never wanted to wear dresses, never wanted to be a girl. Okay. You know, and like sort of doing their own research and understanding of the medical process, hopefully, you know, understanding a little bit more about trans people and then seeing my life later. I, I remember when, let's see, this was when I was 19. So when I was 29, my, so 10 years later, my dad, uh, came out for a class reunion to Arizona. He lived in St. Louis. I thought you were just going to say that your dad came out and I was like, oh, no. I did not know no. this part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have been something, but no, he came out to Arizona okay, uh, for a class reunion. And uh, I picked him up from the airport because he needed someone to pick mm -hmm. him up. And he just called me and he would like dip into my life in weird ways throughout these 10 years, but it was all these strange moments. Um, but he needed a ride to Coolidge, which is where he went to college and grew up. And so picked him up from the airport, took him right to Coolidge, you know, dropped him off. And then he wanted a ride uh, back to the airport, you know, when he was done with his college or his high school reunion. Uh, but he had about one day before he left and he wanted to spend that day with me. And I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, I was like, sure. I was like, you have to be okay with my life though. Like, I don't know, you know, I, but whatever. It was kind of a strange request at the time I thought, but then afterwards understood the purpose of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I took him to work with me, introduced him to coworkers. Um, we went and had dinner with some friends of mine at the time. And like, you know, we just spent about half a day together. Um, he stayed the night at my house and then I took him to, um, slept on the couch and took him to the airport early in the morning and he went home. And about a day later, I got an email from him where he just apologized for the way that he had responded when I came out, you know, it was like, I just didn't understand. And I was afraid it was very fear motivated. I didn't know any trans people. And at the end, he was like, you know, thank you for letting me spend time with you. I got to see, sorry, I'm like a little emotional. Um, I got to see the person I always wanted you to be. You're just a different gender. And he was like, I'm so proud of you. And he apologized for not being able to be my ally and my dad during that time. So that was, you know, the beginning of sort of healing our relationship, mm -hmm. um, which I feel very fortunate about because he passed away a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really sorry that you weren't able to have that kind of support through the whole process, but it's so incredible that you were able to have that reconciliation and that healing and yeah especially having lost him yeah. you know a lot of queer people don't ever get yeah you know your family when when you decide to come out which like there's not that much deciding it's just who you are it's just who you are yeah like people will lose friends family never see them again like there's yeah. people that have dropped out of my life but like yeah. your own parent like that's something that's really really difficult so it's, it's really special that you were able to have that and like Big kudos to him for being able to, yeah, like, say, yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, you know, like that's such a hard, especially it's out of hard. the blue like that to yes. send an email like just you know yeah. no like you weren't asking, yep, for an apology. You just offered it. That's really incredible. It's yeah. really special. It really taught me a lot about the power of like continuing to love people even when you don't necessarily see eye to eye, mm -hmm. and keeping people in your life and growing together because just him having that half a day with me was enough for him to 
come back into my life, right? And to mm -hmm. be like, I want to be your dad, and I want you to be my son, and like that's a big deal, you know. That's a it takes a lot of courage on his part, I think, you know, to do that. And and I think it took courage on my part, you know, and we yeah. met each other in the middle and my mom and I similarly, you know, kind of had this reckoning where um, my mom has a movement disorder and a brain tumor. And so she actually had to move in with me. And I was really fearful of that. This was later after my dad and I had reconciled um, because my mom and I hadn't really come to terms yet. And it was really hard for her. I'm her only child and she was really attached to having a daughter. And my transition was very difficult for her. I remember she lived in West Virginia at the time and I would call her on the phone occasionally and she would always be like, do you have a cold? And I'd be like, no mom, it's the hormones. And she would just skip over it, right? Cause she was so uncomfortable. And so, uh, you know, it was when she, was coming to live with me, I was like, so here are the terms. I was like, you use the right name and use the right pronouns or just don't say anything to me. And I was like, but in my home, you're not gonna use a name that doesn't work for me and resonate with me and, and wrong pronouns. So I was like, so you can choose silence or you can choose to use the right name and pronouns because this is my house. Yeah, and we love firm and healthy boundaries. <laughs> firm and healthy boundaries are very important. <laughs> And, you know, to my mom's credit, she 100%, she was uncomfortable, but she did it. And for her, the turning point was my top surgery. Um, I still remember this. We uh, were coming back from surgery. Um, I was super happy and she was, you know, happy to see my happiness. Um, but I found uh, she took care of me afterwards and, you know, emptied my drains and helped me eat and shower and those kinds of things. And uh, afterwards, you know, you have to track the fluid, you know, and all the color of the fluid, how much fluid is coming out, all of that sort of stuff that you do after surgery. And uh, I found this little log, this little spreadsheet she had created um, where she was tracking, you know, the CCs and the color and all that sort of stuff. And she was making these cute little notes in the margin, like, he's doing so much better. He's healing so well. I'm so proud of my son. And like, she just made this for herself. You know, she didn't make yeah. it for me to ever see. Like this was her own notes that she was helping herself remember what was happening so that she could talk to the doctor um, and help me in my process. And that meant the world to me, you know, and that was such a shift, a complete shift for her. Like never went back to using the wrong pronouns, the wrong name, not even, she doesn't even talk about my childhood as me being a girl. She talks about me being a little boy and like, wow. she just, it just flipped in her mind completely. And you know, it's just whatever that moment is where someone finally sees you, you know, when it's your parents, mm -hmm. like for me, that was such a special moment with both of them that, I don't know, just allowed us to have a really beautiful adult relationship. So as an adult child and aging parent, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, that yeah. is so incredible. Wow. And thanks for being vulnerable yeah, with course. that because that's heavy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but it's important stuff. Yeah. And it's like something that I think. Like, I don't I don't envy the parents of queer youth. Yeah. Like as much as like if I had kids, I would want them to be queer. Like that, that sounds like a party. But you know, like imagining mm. imagining what I was like yeah. pre knowing anything about the queer community yeah. and being raised like we were both raised in a very conservative religious community. Yes. Coming from that perspective and saying the things that I said, like I said the most messed up stuff because that's just like what I thought I was supposed to believe, you know, right. whatever before like 
discovering it, who I was and all that stuff. But having been that person and said those things and thought those things, and I had like such a fear as a young person of like, what if I have a gay kid and I'm gonna have, have to actually like have compassion for people and like mm. face this like dissonance of like, yeah. you know, so I was just like so afraid. And so when I see people in those types of communities where their kid comes out, I'm like stressed for yeah. the kid because I know what the parents probably, yeah think and believe about it but then I'm also stressed for them because that is such it's such a huge change to like change your whole way of thinking yeah and to yeah. like think like if you've never had to think about what is gender you just have to think how can I best fit my gender role yes so having to like unearth that like it's such a huge undertaking yeah and we kind of are forced to go through that because it's us it's our gender it's our life experience if we want to survive and thrive like yeah. we have to go through that and break that apart other people don't have to do that as much yep and my experience of having been that problematic person mm. gives me so much patience now, like yeah. for my parents and for other people, because like I said the things that they said. Of course. And I yeah. had to figure it out faster yeah. because of my identity. Yep. And I feel like you're kind of in the same boat, or at least in the time that I've known you, yeah. where you're just so incredibly patient with people and oh, don't expect you. perfection and everyone to know the right things to say and to say it all the time, but to have compassion and like, I understand that you don't understand this. Yeah. But let's talk and that's kind of i mean that's kind of what this whole podcast is too it is. is like let's like like let's just embrace that we don't know things yes and let's talk about it and let's talk about it in a healthy way that's going to lead people hopefully to what your parents experienced yes because sometimes it is just seeing like your mom seeing what you were willing to go through yeah. and put yourself through for your own well-being yes. probably was majorly impactful for her it was and so us being able to share yeah. our stories and other people's stories and hopefully get people to kind of have that same turning point, like, oh, people are valid and yeah. the way that they experience <laughs> their gender can be trusted. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And for me, that was a journey. I have not always been a very patient person around this. And I learned some really hard lessons about how not being patient with people um, and can be cruelty and can cause harm, you know, mm -hmm. and by uh, sort of leading with anger or judgment can hurt people a lot more than I would expect. And I learned some of those lessons in my early 20s and then saw from my parents' journey a better model, right, with me, their their journey of, you know, let's, you know, let's actually step up here and have some courage to, to see our child, to lean into his experience and to accept him and and then I had to do that back, right? We all, we had to be brave together to like love each other even though maybe we didn't quite understand each other or, you know, we're still learning about each other to, to let go of that fear and that judgment and instead to just embrace each other as the people that we are. And so I credit my parents with so much in my life, but especially for teaching me to be more patient, less judgmental, more curious and kind to people because mm -hmm. that's, I've benefited from that. You know, I saw that radically changed them being willing to do that radically changed our family and relationship in a positive way. And I hope that I can bring that to the world. And I think our podcast is going to do that. So, yeah. 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 Is there any other like fun things about your mm. story that you want to talk to? And I mean, Gosh. we have a whole podcast series it's to true. like we do. bring stuff back up and get into it. We yes. don't have to tell every single thing about <laughs> you right now. But I mean, that that was kind of like your chronological story into yeah. becoming a thriving trans person. Exactly. Are yeah. there, do you want to talk about um, your I, career, your, oh you gosh. know, like what, a, oh, I yeah. mean, there's, there's a lot. There is a lot. Yeah. Cause I'm <laughs> but, kind of professionally trans. So that's, that's a whole thing. <laughs> I said that too, uh, when I started working with nonprofits, yes. like, 
I get paid to be gay now. Exactly, <laughs> basically. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I think, you know, maybe the, the sort of cap for this part of it is that what I have learned in every aspect of my journey around gender is that I am exactly who I was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Being a trans person, being a trans man, being out in the world, doing the kind of work that I do, um, this is my purpose in life. You know, it's more than a job. It's more than my identity. It's my calling and has deeply fulfilled my life and made my life so incredibly rich and purposeful. And I'm really grateful to be a trans person. I love being a trans person. I feel so thankful to God, to the universe, to everything that makes my journey possible and has you know, brought together the stardust that has made our reality <laughs> to actually make my life possible mm-hmm. as a trans person. I feel really grateful to that and really thank God every day for that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could magically go back in time, change yeah. the universe and be born oh, wow. cisgender assigned male at birth, would you do that or would you keep your trans experience? I think I would keep my trans experience, you know. I'm sure that would be a fun journey. And maybe if we have like multiple lives or something, I'll get to experience that <laughs> at some point in the universal uh, journey that we're on. Um, but I'm really grateful for being who I am and being born in the time that I was born in. Um, there's a reason why I'm here, you know, a reason why I am the person that I am. And I hope I leave this world a little bit kinder a little bit more understanding and with a little more justice than it had before me. You already do. And you will continue. So that's why we have so many people ready to listen to our podcast. (laughs) And I was just, I was just telling Michael before we started recording that we were, um, I was like trying to strategize how to announce the podcast on my social medias. And on my Instagram, I was just like, hey, we're doing this project. It's really personally meaningful to me. I would love for you as my friends to support me. And then on my Facebook, I was just like, I'm doing it with Michael. And everyone's (laughs) like, Michael. And they like came flocking. So you already make such a huge impact in the world. So I'm so grateful that you have been so strong and brave and that you have gone on this journey for yourself and that you have been a light to so many people, uh, like so many other up and coming trans people, so many people already in the community and people from all walks of life who it's a very scary and intimidating thing to be an ally and to learn about the queer community. And you make that a safe and a possible thing for people. I really admire that. I'm really excited to be in part of this project with you. Um, And I'm excited for us to keep moving forward. So thank you for talking and sharing with me. Thank you audience for listening. We really appreciate you. Um, We would love if you could give us a review on whatever podcast service you're listening to. Five stars is awesome. It would really help us out. Um, give us a like or a follow. Um, we'll post when we have new episodes come out. Um, we're just really excited to have you a part of this journey. We love your support. Um, yeah, stay curious. Stay curious. Gender Curious is recorded at Full Swing Studios and is a member of the One Community Podcast Network.